from Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God our Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to all of you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we must always thank God for you. This is only right because your faithfulness is growing by leaps and bounds, and the love that all of you have for each other is increasing. That's why we ourselves are bragging about you in God's churches. We tell about your endurance and faithfulness and all the harassments and trouble that you have put up with. This shows that God's judgment is right and that you will be considered worthy of God's kingdom for which you are suffering. After all, it's right for God to pay back the ones making trouble for you with trouble and to pay back you who are having trouble with relief along with us. This payback will come when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his powerful angels. He will give justice with blazing fire to those who don't recognize God and don't obey the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the Lord's presence and away from his mighty glory. This will happen when he comes on that day to receive honor from his holy people and to be admired by everyone who has believed and our testimony to you was believed. We are constantly praying for you for this, that our God will make you worthy of his calling and accomplish every good desire and faithful work by his power. Then the name of our Lord Jesus Christ will be honored by you and you will be honored by him consistent with the grace of our Lord and the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning we're going to be continuing our sermon series, Marathon Faith, where we're looking at First and Second Thessalonians. Uh, in these letters, Paul presents to the early Christian communities in Thessalonica that the life of faith is a long-distance thing, and it's something that you and I must be faithful in even as we face obstacles, trials, and everything else, even as there are challenges that are before us as we wait for the return of Jesus. And so last week we wrapped up looking at 1 Thessalonians, and so today we're going to look at this second letter to the church. I'd like to begin, historically this letter was written around 50 AD or 50 common era, depending on what meter you use to measure those things. And so it was written roughly a year after 1 Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians, and in this letter, this letter is historically attributed to the authorship of Paul. And that's the general consensus today, although there's a few biblical scholars that dispute his authorship. I think it's because it sells books. But anyway, uh, they believe that the author of this letter overemphasizes that Paul is stressing who he is in the writing of this letter. And so basically what they think, or what their, uh, their belief is, is that they think the author is trying too hard to say, this is Paul. And so it begins the letter with the scripture we read just a few minutes ago that says, from Paul Silvanus, who is also Silas. Remember, Silvanus is the, the Greek uh, pronunciation of the, of the name Silas and Timothy. To the church of Thessalonians, which is in God our Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul begins by saying, this is from me, Silas, and Timothy to the church. Then in the last line of this letter, which we'll read in a couple of weeks, he says, I, Paul, am writing this greeting with my own hand. This verifies the letter is from me. As in every letter of mine, this is how I write. So their argument is that the real Paul 
wouldn't have had to emphasize so emphatically that he was the author if he really was the author. That's like doing some work and saying, it's mine, and then at the end going, this is my work, here it is. And so their argument is that only someone who was not Paul would have to work so hard to say he was Paul or to make, uh, go to so much trouble to prove that they were Paul. Boy, I think Paul was the letter, author of this letter. I think it works with everything else that he's written. I think it's consistent with 1 Thessalonians. And I think the reason that Paul emphasizes who he is, we're about to see in just a second. Because as we read 2 Thessalonians... We're going to see that what Paul is writing to is he's writing in response or in reaction to what he was hearing had happened in the Thessalonian church after they had received, I would assume, the first letter from him. And then my guess is there is a response that he heard. He heard more information. He found out something else that was going on or he received another report from another visitor. And so he saw the need or that necessitated him needing to write another letter. So the church at some point in Thessalonica had received some correspondence that wasn't from Paul or from any of the other early church leaders. We know in these times there are other letters that are traveling around. You know, we've read First and Second Peter. We know or we can assume that there are letters that, that are not part of the biblical you know, record that some of these other church leaders have written whether it's additional letters from James or from Peter or even more letters from Paul. But there is some letter that has hit the Thessalonican church. And it's caused them a lot of, of frustration and of fear and of questioning and of wondering what's going on. And so this letter, without us having a copy of it, from Paul's response basically tells the Thessalonian Christians that they've missed the boat. They've missed the boat in terms of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. They've missed the boat when it means of, of what it means for them to experience the second coming of Jesus. They've missed the rapture where the faithful are going to be taken up to be a part of God's kingdom. And so they'd been living according to Paul's teachings. They'd been following everything that Paul had told them to do. They had been living according to, to how he explained to them that the Christian community was supposed to act and interact with each other. And now they've received this letter that tells them that everything they've been doing, even after doing, doing all of these things, they've still missed it. And so they're looking and they're saying, we're living in the time of tribulation, this time of trial after uh, the Christians have gone. And so they believed that the reason they were experiencing all these things, these trials, these persecutions, these challenges, these, this suffering, was because they'd missed the boat. Because this letter had told them that they missed the boat. This letter had told them that, that they were, were left behind. And so Paul addresses this letter head on, where he writes, Brothers and sisters, we have a request for you concerning our Lord Jesus Christ's coming and when we are gathered together to be with him. We don't want you to be easily confused in your mind or upset if you hear that the day of the Lord is already here, whether you hear it through some spirit, a message, or a letter that's supposedly from us. 
He isn't beating around the bush, is he? Paul's saying, if you haven't heard it from us, and if you're reading it from someone else or someone who's attributing it to me, you're wrong, or they're wrong. And so what he's saying is it's not true, isn't he? What you've been told is not true. Um, even more so, what you are reading or being told is from me or another Christian leader is not from me. And so basically what he tells the Thessalonians is to keep doing what they've been doing. And as they do that, not to get discouraged or to believe that what they had been promised in Jesus had not come true. Because he's saying everything will come true. The promises of God that you've heard about the salvation of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness that you've been offered by God through the, the, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, uh, through all of the things that, that he has taught them and that we know of. Paul's saying it's true and it's going to happen. But he's saying, to do that, you have to listen to me. You have to remember what I taught you. And you have to stay faithful to the gospel. So basically he's saying, look around at everything that you're experiencing. If you're experiencing persecution, it's not because you've missed the boat in the faith. If you're experiencing challenges, it's not because the rapture has occurred and you missed being a part of, of, of being in the presence of Jesus. In fact, what Paul says in the Scripture, and I think what we can read from this passage of Scripture this morning, is he says it's exactly the opposite of that. Is that all of these things are happening because the Thessalonians are being faithful. They're choosing to live differently. They're choosing to live intentionally. They're choosing to live in response to the grace and to the love and to the forgiveness and to everything else that they've been offered by God through Jesus Christ. See, what Paul's saying is their faith is evident in the way that they're living and that others are noticing. Their Christian walk's effective. I mean, isn't that one of the best markers that I think any of us would want to be able to claim or to see as followers of Jesus Christ? I mean, I'm not looking for persecution. I'm not looking for challenges. But I sure would like people to be able to look at my life and go, well, he lives differently because of who he is as a follower of Jesus Christ. See, that's what Paul's telling the Thessalonian church. Is according to everything else you're seeing and hearing and thinking about, the way you can measure yourself is the way that, that your faith and your community of faith and the way that you're choosing to follow Jesus is evident in the lives of, of your, is evident in your actions, so then it's evident to others as they encounter you or as they see the way that you choose not to engage in, in things in your community or stuff like that. And so the, then Paul goes on. And he writes in this letter a lot about, about the second coming and about missing God's kingdom because he tells them what the Bible says about God's return. And, and I'll be honest, I don't often spend a lot of time talking about God's return in terms of how it's going to be and what it's going to be and all that. But Paul lists some things. 
He says he will give justice with blazing fire to those who don't recognize God and don't obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will pay the penalty of eternal destruction. I mean, he, he keeps going, but, then, but what he's really talking about is, is what it means to experience a right, righteous justice of God as people who choose to follow God and who choose to align ourselves with his ways, with his teachings, and what it means for us to be a people of faith. Because really what Paul's saying is he's telling the Thessalonians, and he's reminding us of this. Because I think all of us can think of people at some point, whether it's been recent or in near recent history, or you can even look to ancient history and see when different people in the church have sat down with the Bible and have said, it's this day that Jesus will return. And then what happens? Did Jesus return on any of those days? If he did, I'm, I might be like the Thessalonians. I've missed the boat. Um, <laughs> well, we all have. Where's the hope in that? Um, but see, that's what Paul's saying, right? He's reminding the Thessalonians that, that the Scripture is full of, of this prophetic imagery and of this prophetic anticipation. But yes, he, yet he's also telling them that no one knows the day or time. And so in Matthew's gospel, Paul would have referenced Matthew's gospel, where Matthew 24, Jesus talks a lot about what it means for, for the Son of Man to return and what to expect. And so he talks about being immediate. You can go read Matthew 24. I'm not going to read it because it's a long chapter, and it starts basically at verse 15 and goes through, I think it's like verse 55 or 60. So it would take us a while. But in Jesus' words, he says it will be immediate when he comes. That followers won't have time to return home to grab anything. There will be suffering. The human one will return. But then Jesus says, but nobody knows when that day of hour will come. Not the heavenly angels, not the Son. Only the Father knows, as it was in the time of Noah. So it will be at the coming of the human one. So I think as we read 2 Thessalonians, we have to remember that Paul is thinking of this language right here. As he's talking to them and as he's thinking about the Old Testament, the book of Daniel and other prophetic books that talk about Jesus' return, that talk about God's return, that talk about the Son of Man coming. And basically what he is saying to them is that Jesus says there's going to be signs, there's going to be ways for us to know, and Paul is reminding us that no one's going to know. And so he's saying, how can you be reading a letter that someone is writing you, telling you it has already happened, if Jesus himself has said he doesn't even know when it'll happen? They wouldn't have known it. Signs may point the way, but no one will know. So what can we learn from this letter today? I think the first thing we can learn is that instead of reprimanding the Thessalonians, Paul encourages them, doesn't he? This is not a letter where he's, he's telling them you're wrong. He's not scolding them. He's not doing anything else. But what he's doing, and he's looking at their situation, and he's saying, because of the position you're in, it's not because of what you've done that is wrong, but it's, uh, it's because of what you're doing that's right. And so he says, I'm encouraged by you. 
And this is him, and this is Silas, and this is Timothy. The three of them are encouraged to see how successful their ministry has been and to see how successfully their ministry is continuing even when they are not with the Thessalonian church. And he was encouraged. Because of their faith, because of the way that they were responding to grace, because of the way that they were choosing to live in community with each other, he says, we are bound to thank God for you, brethren, as it is fitting. He wants the Thessalonians to see how thankful he is because of who they are and because of what they've done. And that, that's exactly what God wants of us, right? Is to be able to look at our lives and see the ways that you and I are responding to the gift of grace and growing in our faith. And choosing to pursue the, the things of God and not of this world. And so Paul's able to look at the Thessalonians and he's able to say, Folks, I'm proud of you because of you. Because of the way that you're responding, because of the way that you're living, because of the way that others are noticing who you are as followers of Jesus Christ. And then he tells them, I'm so proud of you that I'm even bragging about you at other churches. It's because I'm proud of you. Proud of your accomplishment and proud of your growth in Jesus. And then he says, because of your growing love. And this is the other, I think, indicator of what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ is that we grow in love and our growth in love then is, is demonstrated in the way that we serve and study and worship and do all of the other things that God has called us to do. And so Paul says, the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. And so basically he's saying people are noticing the way that you're living in faith, the way that, that you are extending yourselves in love to each other, even as you face challenges, even as you face these, these persecutions and struggles and whatever else it is, you're still caring for each other. And so as your love increases, your capacity to serve or your willingness to serve also increases. They were known for this. And friends, because they were known for this, they had discovered joy. And then he ends this reading by writing, We are constantly praying for you, that our God will make you worthy of his calling and accomplish every good desire and faithful work by his power. Then the name of our Lord Jesus Christ would be honored by you, and you will be honored by him, consistent with the grace of our God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that our prayer is that God will make you worthy of his calling, and that you will accomplish every good work and faithful work. Friends, is that not all of our prayers? That God will use us in a way that's worthy of our calling. In a way that's worthy of our election as people who have been chosen by God. Who have responded to his gift of grace. And who have received this freely. Not because we have to. Not because we're forced to. But because God offers it out of his love for each of us. So that we might live, worship, and serve, and be the community of faith that God has called and created us to be.